A note to listeners, this episode mentions suicide, self-harm, and gender dysphoria. If you or someone you know needs help, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or call the LGBT Crisis Hotline at 888-843-4564. Gender-affirming surgery and hormone therapy for transgender minors is now illegal in Utah. It's one of several bills impacting transgender youth that has soared through the state legislature. I'm Sage Miller. And I'm Sean Higgins. This week on State Street, we're talking all about that ban on gender-affirming care, also known as SB 16. After being passed by the legislature last week, the bill was signed by Governor Cox and is now law. It bans transgender minors from starting hormone therapy and undergoing gender-affirming surgery like breast reduction or removal. Senator Mike Kennedy is the bill's sponsor. He says, among other things, the research on hormone therapy is weak and there isn't enough information on how the medications affect young people. But transgender youth and their parents say access to those types of healthcare has literally saved lives. One peer-reviewed study found 86% of transgender youth reported being suicidal, and 56% actually attempted suicide. We'll break down how supporters, opponents, and lawmakers feel about the law. And we'll hear from a transgender teen and his mom about their journey navigating gender identity and their thoughts on this year's legislation. One of the people who was against trans people transitioning or trans children transitioning said, children are our most valuable and precious resource. And I think that if we are that precious and valuable, let us live as who we are. You're listening to State Street. All right. Sage, I know it's your and my first time covering the legislature for the full 45 days, but it really seems like lawmakers are hitting the controversial bills sooner than they normally would. It's definitely a stark contrast from last year. That's when the legislature passed a bill banning transgender girls from school sports in the final hours of the session. This year, in the first week alone, the Senate pushed through three bills related to transgender youth. There's SB 16, which we mentioned bans hormone therapy or gender affirmation surgery for people under 18. Another bill prohibits minors from changing their name or gender marker on their birth certificate. The last one would require schools to notify parents if a child wanted to go by a different name on school documents. But a teacher wouldn't be required to tell a parent if their child changes their pronouns or name in class. And as someone who attended the Senate committee hearing on those three bills... I can say it was just heavy and emotional. There were so many people that wanted to say something that they actually had to stop letting people in the room. People couldn't boo or cheer. That's actually against the rules. But that didn't stop people from giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down during the comments. At one point, bill sponsor Kennedy said those who hate the bill can blame him. And people started pointing directly at him and nodding their heads. And it's worth mentioning Senator Kennedy is actually a doctor himself. He explained why he believes it's necessary to ban surgery and hormones for transgender youth. The issue before us is complex and it becomes more and more pressing every year as the legislative sessions move forward. Doing what is best for our children should be subject to the whims and waves of any agenda. The the fact is that these novel and irreversible procedures lack sufficient long-term research. But still, our country is witnessing a radical and dangerous push for children to enter this version of healthcare. 
Kennedy also questioned if minors can consent to these kinds of procedures, and he railed the state for not having regulations for doctors when it comes to transgender health care. He claimed any doctor can consider themselves a transgender health expert. A lot of medical organizations have endorsed gender-affirming care for both transgender adults and youth, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the World Medical Association. Many people stepped up to speak in favor of the bill. Some called gender-affirming surgery and hormone therapy mutilation. Other supporters asked for Kennedy to tighten the restrictions in the bill. In history, if you look at Native Americans, or even we as human beings when we were cavemen, no little child would ever look at their genitalia or their breasts and naturally want to cut them off. This is a result of grooming. Any honest investigation of these procedures and the consequences of them will lead to one conclusion. It's horrifying child abuse. The majority of people who took the stand to speak out against the bill were parents of transgender teens. A lot of them spoke about how this medical care saved their child's life. Others asked the legislature to step away from parental rights. I know what's best for my kid. We all do. She has a good team of doctors. She's not on hormone blockers yet, Senator Kennedy. But she wants to be this year. She's been working with her doctors for four years now. She will be affected by this bill. She has a great therapist. You are taking away the rights of parents. In the end, the testimony from the parents wasn't enough to sway the committee. SB 16 passed and moved to the Senate floor. And the emotions continued there. Probably the most outspoken against the bill was Republican Senator Daniel Thatcher. He stood on the Senate floor with a neck brace on. Thatcher said he was recovering from two strokes and was at the Capitol against doctor's orders. He made it clear. If he could not medically make it through his remarks, he would be recorded as a no vote. He explained why he is strongly against this bill. We should not be prohibiting care that could save and protect these children. Because as a father, I would do anything to keep that kid alive. And if the doctors and the mental health professionals and his care team came to me and said, this is what it takes to keep your child alive, I wouldn't care if the state had prohibited it. I wouldn't care if they said it was, I would go to jail, I would go to prison to keep my child healthy and alive and to get them whatever the best care is. Again, the testimony against the bill wasn't enough to sway votes. It passed the Senate 22 to 7. Senator Thatcher was the only Republican that voted no. And it was the loudest no vote I've ever heard. After that vote, the Senate came to a halt for a minute. Lawmakers were seen swarming to Thatcher's aid in what looked to be a medical emergency. Thatcher reassured everyone he was fine, his heart rate was too high, and he needed a moment to bring it down before moving on to other bills. Since then, SB 16 passed both chambers of the legislature and was signed into law by Governor Cox. But two more Republicans ultimately joined as no votes— Senators Todd Weiler and David Hinkins. The final bill removed a four-year sunset date for the ban and added an immediate adoption. In other words, the ban is permanent and in place right now. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, a transgender teen and his mom tell their story. You're listening to State Street.
Support for State Street comes from the Hinckley Report podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the biggest political headlines in the Beehive State. Find new episodes of PBS Utah's The Hinckley Report every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to State Street. I'm Sean Higgins. And I'm Sage Miller. It's been a tough couple weeks for transgender youth and their allies. The bills making their way through the legislature have definitely taken a toll. We were able to speak with Chris, a 17-year-old transgender teen and his mom, Kat. They opened up about their experience navigating gender identity and the healthcare system to gain access to transgender medical care in Utah. We agreed not to use their last names. Chris will tell you why. It can be very scary as a trans person using your actual name because you can get hunted by both just people in the common community and also politicians. So we decided for my safety as well as the safety of my parents that we keep our names out. As much as you feel comfortable, can you kind of walk me through your journey? Well, unlike most trans kids you see on TV and such, I didn't really show signs from an early age, at least outwardly although I felt them from at least the age of five, even though I didn't understand what they meant. And I just had this feeling since they were about three years old. I thought, this kid is gay. When I started going through puberty around the age of nine, ten, I started getting very dysphoric and I started really hating my body. And around the age of 11, I started figuring out, oh, my gender may not be the same as what I look like and how I am physically. And I came out to my mother around January 2018. So when, I have to say at the time, quote unquote, she at the time, sorry, uh, (laughs) came to me and said, I'm gay. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And I got out the, you know, the rainbow pom poms. And I'm like, we love you for who you are. And, you know, I was all ready to be the super supportive, you know, mom, because you can love whoever you want. I want you to be your genuine self. Um, but he went into this very dark depression as he went into his, um, puberty years. I was so depressed because my body was wrong and everything about me wasn't looking the way it should. I couldn't get him to go to school. I couldn't get him out of bed. Uh, he started cutting himself. Um, he was suicidal. Um, and I was terrified And he was so suicidal, I was sleeping next to his bed at night, on the floor next to his bed, so that he wouldn't get up in the middle of the night and hurt himself or possibly kill himself. And here I'd had this hugely outgoing kid who I always dressed in the brightest of colors because he was so outgoing and jubilant. And this just wasn't my kid. This wasn't the kid I knew. I ended up um, going into uni or the um, psychiatric ward up here. I started going through gender therapy and just a lot of therapy to make sure that's where I needed to be, a lot of family therapy. And then in December of that year, I started hormone blockers. And um, that summer after that, I harvested my eggs because I knew I was on the path to start um, testosterone, but I still needed a year of gender therapy And then that um, in the fall of 2019, I started testosterone. I've been on it for about three and a half years now. And a year later, roughly, I got top surgery. And that's where we're at. From a parental perspective, 
What was this journey like for you? Um, hard, really, really hard. Um, who you bring home for dinner doesn't change your life. But being a trans person, that's that's physical. That's that's a, that's a lot of change. That's names and and clothes and and possibly surgeries, depending on where you go. And that terrified me. And so as we went deeper and deeper and longer and longer into therapy, um, we started calling him by his alternative name. But between ourselves and with my friends and, at home, you know, behind his back, I would refer to him as his original name. And I'm like, it's just easier, which for me at the time it was. And it just took a, just took some time to figure that out. And then we started doing little things like we let him cut his hair, quote unquote, like a boy. Um, we let him get boxers. My husband freaked out about that. And I'm like, Big Who? day for me the day I got boxers. Yeah, little things like that. Um, we got him a binder. Um, and every time we did these teeny tiny little things that don't seem like anything. I mean, nobody sees your boxers. He was happier. He was healthier. He was less suicidal. He was becoming my kid again. You know, the first thing my husband said when when he heard my son was trans is he said, he got really emotional and he said, you know, I thought I was going to walk her down the aisle. And to me, that really sums up as a parent why you push so hard. Not only do you see this really hard road ahead for your kid, which is really hard to, to see them know what's ahead and how much they're going to have to fight to just be treated equally. But I have to let go of all these preconceived notions of what I thought what the life was going to be for my kid and let them be who they are. Because I can't bring out the pom-poms and say, be your genuine self and then stand in the way of it. I'm going to move on to the committee hearing now. That's where I met both of you. Was that yeah. a very packed and contentious committee hearing? Y'all decided to come as a family. You didn't get a chance to speak, but why did you make that decision to appear at the hearing? I didn't personally want to go, I'm going to be honest, because it is very painful to see people basically say you're not valid over and over and for your life to be so politicized. But my parents are like, we need to support the 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 generations coming after you. I have a lot of friends that are younger than me who are trans. Most of my friends are trans. And it is very painful to watch them have to deal with these bills piling up. And every January, pretty much since the year I came out, I have had to write letters to um, the committee being like, hey, you're messing up my life. Please stop. Um, in the most polite terms, obviously. How did your experience differ from what lawmakers and bill supporters were describing on the committee floor? Well, first off, you can't really walk into a building and be like, hey, I'd like some hormones. And they're like, yeah, sure. It took a very long time. When I got my testosterone, they made me sign a contract that they made me read by myself. And then my parents had to read it. You had to get, I think, three. Was it three? Doctor's notes. Mm -hmm. And don't forget also, like, he had to live as his oh, yeah. identifying gender um, in the quote-unquote real world for a certain amount of time. And I think for him, I mean, before you went on T, it was almost two years. Almost two years. It takes a very long time, and it is very painful to step out in the real world wearing a binder and 
just hoping and praying that you won't get misgendered that day. Or when you go to the bathroom, you won't get hurt because you don't look like your gender. So it's not easy. It's painful. And they make sure that every kid that does transition is ready. And if they don't think you're ready, they will not accept you no matter how much you do or how many doctor's notes you get. It is cruel and unusual punishment for these lawmakers to refuse medical care to children who need it. They wouldn't refuse it to a kid who needs their insulin shots for diabetes. They wouldn't refuse it to a kid who has major depressive disorder and needs their Prozac. Our condition is no different. It is medical. It is biological. It is physical. And it is painful. Now that you've been able to go through the transition process, how do you view yourself now? like a dude it's great i'm so happy in my body i look in the mirror and i'm like there there you are you're you're you now and cat how have you seen yourself transform throughout this journey oh god i have friends who are you know parents of trans kids and to be able to say to them i know it's super hard right now and it's very confusing and it's very emotional and it's okay to be sad and love your kid. It's okay to feel hurt and loss and 100% support and love your kid. But I can also promise you that at some point you will get out of your own way and you'll be like, that version of the child was just their caterpillar stage. This is, the, this is, this is my butterfly. And my kid just happened to have a more intense puberty than, <laughs> than the general population. I... I'm so happy he is who he is. And just having him come out of that shell and see this happy, jubilant kid, that's the kid I always knew. And he's and he's back. He's back and he's better than ever. <laughs> All right. I'm not the McRib. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much, y'all. Uh, this is just... My last question, and is what is your message to kids and parents navigating their own gender identity? It can be very scary, and you can feel lost yourself because you feel like, oh, well, I'm not going to be me anymore. I'm going to be this new person. You're still you, and you're still valid. And that little inner child inside of you that's been screaming, hey, I'm a dude, or hey, I'm a woman, or hey, I'm neither, or both or whatever you end up being, will thank you for being yourself. And to the parents out there, I know it is scary and hard, and it feels like you're losing control of this life you set up for your child, but their life is their own journey to make, and whatever destination you reach, as long as you love them and support them, they will be right there with you, and in the end, maybe you will walk them down the aisle. That was Chris and his mom, Kat. If anyone listening has a child or is embarking on their own journey related to gender identity and transgender healthcare, we've linked some resources in the show notes. Despite strong opposition from LGBTQ Utahns, their allies, and the ACLU of Utah urging Governor Cox to veto SB 16, he still signed it, and it's now the law in Utah. But that doesn't mean it'll be smooth sailing going forward. There's also the courts. The ACLU pointed out what it saw as numerous constitutional issues with the law in its letter to Governor Cox. And a common question we heard from lawmakers when discussing these bills was the possibility of lawsuits. 
People on both sides of the issue say they fully expect this to end up in the court. Kennedy himself said on the floor of the Senate that he's willing to bet every dollar in his bank account that there will be a lawsuit. It's worth noting that the trans sports bill that was passed last year is still caught up in the courts. So depending on a judge's opinion, these laws could be blocked until the case is resolved. Another busy week on Capitol Hill, huh? Yep, and I'm lit tired. But the legislature must go on. The Senate is set to debate House Joint Resolution 2. It would impact the current injunction on Utah's abortion trigger law. Although this resolution would affect all current injunctions in the state and does not specifically target Utah's trigger law, if it's passed by both chambers, that law would go back into effect and Planned Parenthood of Utah would have to refile their lawsuit against the state. But it doesn't stop there. The legislature passed a bill that would give Utah teachers a $6,000 raise, but it's also coupled with the school choice or voucher program called the Utah Fits All Scholarship. Bill supporters say these two issues are linked and pairing them together into one bill to fund education was the right call. Opponents see it as the exact opposite. These issues are separate and should have been debated and voted on that way. We'll be taking a deep dive on education policy and the bills coming out of the legislature in next week's episode. That does it for this episode of State Street. I'm Sean Higgins. And I'm Sage Miller. The show's executive producer is Caroline Ballard. Editing and production support comes from David Childs and KUER News Director Elaine Clark. Our digital team includes Jim Hill, Renee Bright, Eleanor Gomberg, and Raquel Davis, our digital artist extraordinaire. She's actually the brains behind the super duper cute podcast cartoons, by the way. She drew us as peanut cartoons, and it gave me life. You can check out Raquel's work on our State Street social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. State Street is a production of KUER. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find State Street. See you next week. From KUER.